Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Fox News, White House to unveil sweeping overhaul of immigration system, including merit-based admissions, officials say. Now, let's see how this uh, report addresses it. Now, I intend to wait for the actual plan to take a look at it. But let's talk about what's been written about it. The White House is set to unveil a sweeping new plan that would radically transform the makeup of immigrants in the United States, ending the visa lottery program, implementing a comprehensive merit-based admissions procedure, three senior officials told Fox News on Wednesday. The move would more than quadruple the number of immigrants admitted because of their work-related skills while dramatically slashing the number of immigrants admitted because of family ties. And the number of legal immigrants would be unaffected. It's just a change of the makeup of who these legal immigrants are. Currently, approximately 12% of immigrants are admitted based on employment and skills, while two-thirds or 66% are admitted based on family connections. Those percentages under the new plan would shift 57 and 33 percent respectively. So 57 percent would be based on employment and skills. In other words, if they already have jobs lined up and they have skills and 33 percent would be based on family connections. Ten percent of immigrants would be admitted on humanitarian or other grounds, but the plan would end the visa lottery program. And again, the the legal immigration number would still be capped at the current number. In its place, a new Build America visa program that would recognize extraordinary talent and people with professional and specialized vocations, including exceptional students, Fox News has learned. Potential immigrants would be assessed using a point-based system, accounting for factors including age, English proficiency, whether each candidate has an offer of employment, about a certain wage threshold, and education of vocational certificates. Pledges to invest and create jobs also would be considered. The average yearly wage of legal immigrants currently is approximately $43,000. The official said immigrants admitted based on education and skills would have an average income of $126,000, and they would expect the average yearly wage of all immigrants to rise to roughly $96,000. The Trump administration also said it has considered other similar immigration systems. When Canada implemented a merit-based system, it largely resulted in a pooling of immigrants from East Asia and the Indian subcontinent. To avoid pooling, the White House said it would add points to immigrant candidates from underrepresented countries, but it would not impose caps on certain countries. President Trump is set to deliver a major immigration address Thursday afternoon, 
Fox News has learned amid previous reports that Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor Jared Kushner has been working to finalize a plan that focuses on border security and changes to the legal immigration system. (coughs) Lindsey Graham told reporters after the presentation the White House officials seemed well on their way to winning consensus for a plan that would unite Republicans on the contentious issue, but he added whether it will or not, I don't know. And Graham also unveiled his own proposal today for revamping laws that affect Central American migrants seeking asylum to enter the U.S. Growing numbers of them have been trying to get asylum status in recent years. Democrats want an easing of restrictions that have prevented many from obtaining citizenship, including for hundreds of thousands of young people brought to the U.S. illegally as children. That's the DACA program and so forth. Now, what, what Graham is proposing is that if you want refugee status and you want asylum in the United States, uh, then you make those claims outside of the United States. And he also wants to include a, a provision or provisions that allow us to deport children back to their parents to the country from which they came. Now, we'll need to really dig into the specifics, but as a general matter, what do you think about this? As a general matter, it seems to me we're heading in the right direction. Doesn't it seem that way to you, Mr. Producer? I just don't know all the details yet, but uh, I guess we'll know more tomorrow when the president speaks, and so we shall see. We shall see. But that's pretty much all I know, all we know, with respect to the immigration issue, And I'm sure we'll know a hell of a lot more tomorrow after the president speaks. And by the way, the president will continue as needed without Congress using his authority as commander in chief to continue to build the wall. And that's continuing hundreds and hundreds of miles of it. While everybody bickers over it and there's lawsuits flying in every direction, it's taking place as I speak. Um, Hopefully they'll get a whole lot of it up. At least that's the hope, right? I want to talk briefly about Iran. I want to talk briefly about Iran. You and I do not have the information that the president has that has caused him to act to move the USS Lincoln and other support uh, ships into the Mediterranean and other parts of the Middle East to move uh, B-52 bombers into Qatar, our base there, to put our military personnel in Syria and other areas of the Middle East on high alert, and to remove our State Department employees from Iraq. We don't have the facts. Now, we can surmise as a general matter, we know what Iran is up to. Iran is looking to create war throughout the Middle East. Uh, Iran is looking to take over Iraq. Iran is looking to take over Yemen. Iran is looking to take over parts of Syria. Iran is backing Hezbollah, its terrorist militant arm, among other terrorist organizations. And Iran is looking to build nuclear warheads and to put them on ICBMs. Iran is looking to go to war with, among others, Israel. 
So Iran is a very, very dangerous country. It is run by Islamo-Nazis in Tehran. The president, this president, unlike the past president, has really put an economic stranglehold on this country. We talk about our GDP going up 3.2%. Their GDP lost 6%. And the president put further sanctions in place as applies to oil and applied them worldwide. That is, our allies or people who do business with us and our companies. They are no longer free to purchase oil from Iran. So he's put really strong uh, deterrence in place, economic deterrence, and sanctions. But something has happened where this president, who's no interventionist, he's no interventionist, has great concern. And as I've been reading the media and trying to figure out what's going on, all I get is a lot of opinion and pablum that this is Iraq under George W. Bush, that this is another phony issue like weapons of mass destruction, they argue, they write. That uh, Trump is going to be dragged into a war thanks to neocons like John Bolton. That's the genius Pat Buchanan there, among others. And that Trump's going to send 120,000 troops. He didn't say he's sending 120,000 troops. Those plans are on the shelf just in case for a president, as they are when it comes to China, Russia, and a whole lot of other scenarios. But I'm sitting here thinking to myself... We've got all these code pink Republicans. We have all these code pink Democrats. If Iran is indeed threatening our military personnel and our military assets, if Iran is indeed planning to cut off navigable international waters to prevent 20% of the world from receiving oil that comes out of the Middle East, If Iran is preparing a massive provocative action, both militarily and economically, why are these newspapers attacking Donald Trump? Why are these newspapers attacking John Bolton? Is it always politics at all times? Because it seems to be. As I said, this president is not a radical interventionist. He's not an interventionist at all. He's taken a lot of troops out of Syria. He wants to take a lot of troops out of Afghanistan. That is his mindset. That's what he ran on. Agree or disagree. But here he's ramping up our defenses because, based on other accounts, our military has been threatened in a significant way. And the economic stability of the the world should oil be cut off is being threatened how is this in in any way a comparison to what took place with Iraq he's not looking for an excuse to go to war he's not looking for an excuse for military action what's happened to his supporters so called supporters in the media All of a sudden, all of a sudden they think he's going to make an odd move or take a left turn or whatever it is. If Iran is doing these things, Iran must be stopped. Iran must be confronted. 
We're not the colonialists. We're not the imperialists. We're not trying to set up some kind of a, uh, a caliphate in the Middle East. Amazes me how, how even some conservatives think of our country. We don't conquer territory to hold territory. We're not the imperialists. You have a terrorist regime that has killed God knows how many Americans over decades. And wants to kill more. And talks about it. You have a president that's prepared to stand up to this. Unprovoked. You have a regime that's not popularly elected. You have a regime that, that is repressive. Repressive against Christians and whatever few Jews are left. Repressive against dissidents. Repressive against gays. Repressive. Look, it's an Islamo-Nazi regime, like I just said. But when you start threatening in a serious way American military forces, personnel, and assets. You know, I remember when Hezbollah blew up the barracks, the Marine barracks, and killed what? Over, 100, uh, over 150? I think it was 183. I could be off Marines as they were sleeping. And I remember the Reagan administration was criticized strongly. Well, it sounds to me like this administration has learned the lesson of past administrations, including the great Reagan administration, of which I served, and has said, uh, not again. That's not going to happen. But we don't have all the facts. So why all the knee-jerkers out there going on and on about how this is old weapons of mass destruction like Iraq? And we can debate that, but I don't need to debate it now. That he's being dragged into war by John Bolton. This president isn't dragged in anything. He has a mind of his own. He looks at the facts. He makes a decision. So the reporting on this is utterly unhelpful. It's not factual. It's mostly political and partisan in that respect. I have to hear these code pink Republicans and their knee-jerk reactions to everything. And they don't have all the facts either. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers in Primus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. I understand Mayor DeCami of New York City is going to announce for president 
tomorrow. He's running for president, I think, of Venezuela to the left of Maduro. What a, what a crazy clown show. You're going to need these long buses to be moving these people from one debate to the other. What's that, 23 or 24? This issue of immigration, let's circle back, ladies and gentlemen. When you look at Europe, what's taking place there, you look at the United States, parts of the United States, what's taking place here, around uh, areas of uh, Minnesota, areas of uh, Michigan, particularly uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the Detroit area. And you see these two congresswomen who were elected. I have no problem with electing congresswomen. I have no problem electing people of different religious faiths. But they're radicals. And they hate the country. And there is a growing body of people who come into this country. Not all, of course, but a growing body of people come into this country who share that viewpoint or they wouldn't get elected. We know how to do immigration the right way. We've done it the right way for a long, long time. Except the last many decades. The last many decades, effectively, we have had anarchy. Anarchy. Everybody does not have a right to come into this country. Whatever their claim, it is our right to say yes or no. People who come into this country must be amenable to assimilation. They can retain their cultures. They can celebrate their day. We have Columbus Day. We have all kinds of days. You know, St. Patrick's Day. We have uh, whatever. That's all good. But people know that they're Americans, and it's the American culture in which we live. Not the culture from which we came. Or what are we doing here? What are we doing here? I mean, my ancestry is mostly Russian. Do I talk about Russia in some glowing way? Am I walking around with a Russian flag? I mean, I mean, it's so ridiculous. Do you have a Russian holiday that I celebrate? No, of course not. So you can maintain a connection to your ancestry, but you need to assimilate into this country. You look at Europe, that's not happening. That's not happening at all. So you've had Western Reformation, you've had the Enlightenment, but when people come into your country from all parts of the world where that has not occurred, and they bring their cultures into your, into your country, and that culture demands representation and recognition and legal rights, as opposed to assimilating into the culture of whatever it is in France and Germany and so forth, or in our own country, you will destroy your country. I don't know how much I can be any clearer. We'll be right back. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound 
to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community helps students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. Me, 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 me. Man, oh, man, I don't know what requires more time, writing a book or talking about a book. Seriously, Mr. Producer. So we're going to pretty much be everywhere starting Friday night on Hannity for a full hour, as I understand it, a special on his uh, 9 p.m. show on Fox. Saturday on Waters World, Jesse's a really good guy. By the way, I think he's a really smart guy, too. Sunday, Life, Liberty, and Levin. I'm going to have my man as scheduled now, anyway, Pete Hegseth with me in studio. And we'll discuss the book. Now, when I say discuss the book, the contents. We're going to have a very deep discussion about the media in this country. And then next week, the book comes out. And so I'll be talking with Brett Baer. I'll be talking on Fox and Friends. I'll be on Shannon Bream's show. There'll be a lot that we're doing. We're going to have uh, David Brody, CBN. Uh, I don't have the entire list. We're going to be talking with many, many of our radio affiliates, morning shows and mid-morning shows and some early afternoon shows. Um, and I hope you'll join this journey. I hope you'll engage. I hope you'll, you'll be thinking about this. You uh, have suffered a long time under this media. Notice I don't say free press. Under this media. There's really a relative handful of people who assign themselves the duty of reporting for us. There's tens of millions of us who just kind of sit here and take it. So we need to talk about these things, just like we did during the Tea Party, the Reagan Revolution. Convention of States, the Trump Revolution, no longer will the media be excluded after you read this book and after I really get into this. And when the incoming begins, whether it's one of the left-wing newspapers or news outlets or whatever it is, I want to bring you into that process too. Your thought process on how we should handle it. So we're really gearing up now. We're going over these schedules. You're going to see a lot of this and hear a lot of this. And I'm going to encourage you to try and get out in front of this. Because ultimately, this is a debate about our country. Your country, my country. This is a debate about our Bill of Rights, our First Amendment, our freedom of the press and freedom of speech. They go hand in hand. And I'm going to raise some issues and talk about some things that really are not raised or talked about in any media format but my own. But even things we haven't discussed here yet. So uh, 
I hope you join us. I hope you'll be active in this. I hope you become part of the grassroots in this process. Join us in this journey, in this discussion. Uh, The media have become, as I've said over the last several days, a great fissure in American society. Because it's not doing its job. It's doing a different job. A destructive job. And if you want to participate in this and get ahead of the curve, when we begin this really in earnest next week, you know you can go to Amazon.com and order Unfreedom of the Press immediately. And it will be delivered to your doorstep on Tuesday. We're less than a week away. Less than a week away. So we're gearing up. And I want you, my magnificent audience, I want you to gear up with me and just get ready. And you'll want your first edition of Unfreedom of the Press if you order it now, as there are future printings of the book. Uh, People like to have the first edition. Well, then there'll be second, third, fourth, fifth editions, presumably. So as I say, you may want to jump in. And I'll tell you, I have a concern. I shouldn't even tell you this. I hope they don't run out of books. I hope hope Simon & Schuster's printed enough books. It's hard to know, you see. With most other authors, they don't want to be stuck with a lot of books. They're never stuck with a lot of books because of you when I write. But we shall see. The book has been described as a novel, the way it reads. I don't read novels, but the way it flows by none other than my wife. A friend of mine told me it reads like a documentary almost, that you can't put it down. One chapter, one chapter, one chapter, one chapter. Mr. Producer, Rich, he started reading the book, and you don't—that's you don't read a ton of books, right? You read Drudge and Fox News. You couldn't put this book down, you said. And Richie, Mister Call Screener, same thing. He said he couldn't put the book down. Oh, you'll say, well, they work for you. They tell me the truth if they don't want to read. I mean, I don't think they—they they sat there and slobbered all over rediscovering Americanism, did you? Well, Richie did, but I don't think Rich did. You read both, too? Well, I'm sorry. I underestimated. I apologize. You've read every book since Men in Black? Well, that's why you have a podcast, you see. You're smart. But anyway, uh, I'm just pointing that out, that uh, if you want to get ahead of the curve. And this is not, when you read this book, it's it's not a chore. It's not a task. You're going to enjoy it. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to be shocked by some of the information in there. But you're going to learn more history, you're going to learn more philosophy, but you're not going to be overloaded with it. Many of these names are going to be familiar to you, the people we talk about, many of them are in the current media, they'll be familiar. So uh, I'm very excited about this, and as I say, we launch uh, on Hannity's show on Friday, full hour, on, uh, on his Friday show. We want to thank him. He's like a brother to me in many ways. And I to him. And that's a good thing, right? Now, I want to get to uh, Chuck Todd. Very frustrated that the Democrats lack a strategy to take down Donald Trump. I want to get to the Washington Compost. They're very upset that Team Trump uh, uh, hasn't been removed or jailed yet. And we have a number of wonderful columnists who are writing about these things. Now, I did something very foolish just now. I lost my place. <laughs> in something I wanted to read to you in order to set up uh, part of the articles that are fresh today uh, about Todd and about the Washington Post trying to remove Trump. And I just want 
to remind you of who these people are and the agenda that they have been pushing. And it is this. Uh, We have had false story after false story. False story after false story. We just suffered through it in the last several years on collusion. We've had mistakes like I've never seen made before by the media. We've had lies like I've never seen made before and asserted by the media. And the arrogance goes on and on and on. It's quite remarkable what's taken place here. Historically, it's remarkable, but it's remarkable in real time, too. Ah, I think I found it. I think I found it. Did I find it? No, I didn't. I'll tell you what. We'll take a break. I'll find it. I think it's very, very important. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free. At LevinforHillsdale.com, that's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, I was watching my buddy Stephen A. Smith on first take on ESPN. Man, was he on fire. (laughs) Poor Knicks fans, they never get a break. There's something like 6% chance New Orleans would get the first pick, Mr. Producer. And wouldn't you know, New Orleans got the first pick in the NBA draft. You think they're done, too? Are you a Knicks guy? You're a Knicks guy, too. How do you like that? I remember the Knicks when they were a great team. DeBusher, Willis Reed, and others. I mean, they were, that was a hell of a team. I don't think they've had a hell of a team since. I could be wrong. I'm not, it's not like I follow it that closely. Um, I want to tell you about American financing. By the way, I did find my place. For the last two and a half years, ladies and gentlemen, the media have really exposed themselves in ways they haven't in the past. The media generally. As I point out, an unfreedom of the press. And by the way, Don't ever forget it. The Democratic Party press narrative that the Trump campaign colluded with the Russian government during the 2016 presidential election was a complete fabrication that consumed two and a half years of broadcast, print, and internet so-called reporting, 24 hours a day, and involved an untold number of media-inspired and media-promoted conspiracies, plots, allegations, inferences, suppositions, and conclusions. On March 25, 2019, 
Newsbusters Rich Noise confirmed the extent of the media's saturation bombing of the public with false information about this pseudo-event with these incredible statistics. From January 20 to 2017, that's Inauguration Day, through March 21, 2019, the last night before Special Counsel Mueller sent his report to the Attorney General. The ABC, CBS, and NBC evening newscast produced a combined 2,284 minutes of collusion coverage, most of it 1,909 minutes following Mueller's appointment on May 17, 2017. That's an average of roughly three minutes a night, every night for an astonishing 791 days on the major news broadcast shows. From January 1 through March 21 of this year, the spin of Trump coverage on the evening newscast has been 92% negative versus 8% positive. Now, among the news organizations with some of the most spectacularly irresponsible reporting were the New York Times and the Washington Post, both of which won a Pulitzer Prize, quote, for scoops on links between Donald Trump's presidential campaign and Russia, the focus of an ongoing special counsel investigation into the 2016 election, unquote. New York Times executive editor Dean Baquet was proud of his newspaper's journalism, even after the special counsel concluded there was no collusion. Quote, we wrote a lot about Russia, and I have no regrets. It's not our job to determine whether or not there was illegality, unquote. But the issue is not about illegality, but the obsessive promotion and perpetuation of a pseudo-event as real news. CNN was among the most rabid collusion hunters in the news industry. On March 26, 2019, Breitbart's Joshua Coplin wrote, Last December, CNN congressional correspondent Manu Raju, this guy's a real lefty, reported that WikiLeaks emailed Donald Trump Jr. access to information nearly two weeks prior to their public release. However, the network failed to verify the email's date, September 14, 2016, by which time these emails had already been released. In June, CNN reported that White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci was being investigated for meeting with a Russian banker ahead of President Trump's inauguration. Scaramucci denied the claim, and CNN eventually apologized for its inaccurate report. CNN executive editor Lex Harris, editor Eric Lickbalow, and journalist Thomas Frank resigned in shame over the story. Furthermore, CNN claimed in July that Michael Cohen, President Trump's personal lawyer, was prepared to tell special counsel investigators that the president possessed advanced knowledge of the Trump Tower meeting between his son Donald Trump Jr. and a Russian lawyer and others. Cohen's lawyer, Lanny Davis, the detestable Lanny Davis, said CNN had mixed up its facts and denied claims that Cohen had any such knowledge about the meeting. Nonetheless, CNN's president, the despicable Jeffrey Zucker, self-righteously declared, quote, just like the New York Times, we're not investigators, we're journalists. And our role is to report the facts as we know them, which is exactly what we did. A sitting president's own Justice Department investigated his campaign for collusion while uh, with a hostile nation. That's not enormous uh, because the media says so. That's enormous because it's unprecedented. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the story there was the fact of how this investigation was ultimately triggered, not the fact of the investigation. But I go on. CNN repeatedly reported not facts, 
but fiction. Indeed, the media wagons began to circle again as a growing number of media executives, journalists, and commentators shamelessly pushed back against their critics. For example, March 25, 2019, while appearing on The View, ABC News Chief White House Correspondent John Carl said, I think there's some questions that need to be asked. I think there were significant mistakes in some of the reporting, but I also think this is a huge story. This is the most significant investigation of a president since Watergate. But there was no collusion. And I go on. There is no reason to trust the current cabal of newsrooms and so-called journalists because they won't even apologize for what they did to this country for two and a half years. They won't even acknowledge what they did to this country for two and a half years as they move on to the next scam, to the next pseudo-event on freedom of the press. See you in a few minutes. We'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. There was a reason why I read that particular passage, short passage from uh, On Freedom of the Press, because I wanted to set up this next clip from Chuck Todd yesterday on Meet the Press Daily. Yes, there's something called Meet the Press Daily. And the media is still at it. Remember, the media, not the same thing as a free press. This is very important to understand. The press has gone through cycles since our founding and since before our founding. We're in a very, very low part of the curve right now. The press is very, very poor right now. And it's really not about freedom of the press. It's about driving an agenda, driving an ideology, punishing people who disagree with it, celebrating people who agree with it. Chuck Todd, others at MSNBC and NBC, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, they're leading this impeachment slash indictment slash whatever you want to call it effort, I called a silent coup. And it appears Chuck Todd is very, very upset that the Democrats don't have an endgame here or they're not acting fast enough. And he's getting very emotional about it now. Hat tip newsbusters, cut two, go. It seems as if... Congressional Democrats didn't. I think that Speaker Pelosi and, frankly, Chairman Cummings and Chairman Schiff and Chairman Nadler all thought, you know, they'll eventually cooperate. They're not going to do this. Oh, yes, they are. I know you, you've made the argument that this has been methodical, but there is there's a subpoena for his tax returns. There's the subpoena for his personal records. There's the subpoena for his lawyer's records. There's the subpoena to, to get Mueller. This is what I mean where I'm not... I understand the larger picture is we're trying to do our job holding the executive branch accountable. Pick one. you got to prioritize that. I, 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 you know, this is a fight. Does she need to prioritize this? Nancy Pelosi, listen to him. Like he's a consultant. you got to prioritize this. Pick one. you got to go after him. 
You got to go after him. What's the problem, boys and girls on the Democrat side? You're not doing your jobs. You're not going after him. The same man, the same network, just like the rest that pushed the collusion phony issue, obstruction phony issue. This is what Chuck Todd is pushing. Now, think about that. He doesn't sound any different than the Democrats, does he? Now, let's take another step to underscore my point. One of the most rancid minds in the media belongs to Joe Scarborough. And he keeps pushing one lie after another, but he's on the morning show on MSNBC. This is a coveted slot. They've destroyed it. There's no viewers. But typically, for a cable show, that is a coveted slot. And listen to what he's pushing. Cut six, go. Far from what testimony has been from Trump administration officials uh, in the white, inside the White House or from Donald Trump himself, this wasn't about a couple of Facebook ads being mm-hmm. purchased. This was about Russians learning how to hack into our voting systems. And guess what? They got a couple in Florida in 2016. They've been working four years, night and day. Well, you and I have been sleeping. They've had people working, getting ready to hack into Michigan, getting ready to hack into Wisconsin, getting ready to hack into Pennsylvania and Florida. Mika? This is very serious. And, it is. And we need to know what those two counties are. And and the president needs to attitude adjustment on this because right now More he's doing that. Vladimir's Putin. So it's Vlad- interesting. Vladimir Putin's he's Putin. doing Vladimir's Putin. So Trump is still doing Putin's dirty work, even though he put significant sanctions on that regime, far more than Obama ever did. Obama was never said to be doing Vladimir's Putin bidding. And the voice in the background um, wasn't squeaky from, even though it sounds like it, it was Mika Brzezinski. And a lot more needs to be done to the president than an attitude adjustment, she said. Well, who else do we have in our sternly media? Donnie Deutsch. Douche. What is his name? Douche or Deutsch? Deutsch. On the morning Joe, yes, a show, again, on the morning Schmo show, they bring all these uh, reprobates and miscreants on that bread. It's a conga line of uh, freaks. And this guy's really into uh, Nazi comparisons. So there's something really sick going on between his two ears and his very low IQ. Cut 11, go. Think about that our country now and the commander-in-chief authorized ICE military police to literally go to the streets in 10 cities across this country, including New York, where we are, and storm and show up and grab families and children. Every time I'm on the show, Nicole, I go into the same... Now, let's just stop a minute, just so you know. Sounds like he was on the Nicole Wallace show, by the way. You do understand Dwight Eisenhower deported one million illegal aliens. Kids, old people, it didn't matter. Rounded them up, called in his military, said, out, move them out. One million. It was called, not by me, but by them, Operation Wetback. Trump isn't doing anything like that. 
Nothing. Nothing like that. Go ahead. Seconds of a speech. We're going to scary places, guys, that always happen in other parts of the world and are happening here. These are not MS-13 members. The overwhelming statistics of people coming in are they're less criminal, less criminally disposed than the people that live in this country. Let's stop here. That is a lie. They continue to repeat this. There's a great piece. I think it was yesterday at Conservative Review by the incomparable Daniel Horowitz on this issue. Absolute lie, but it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Are running, just like the Jews ran from the Nazis, just like so many other groups were running for persecutions for safety. So these people in our country illegally <clears throat> are running like the Jews did against to get to escape the Nazis. Now listen to this. They're running just like the Jews ran from the Nazis. Now, this guy, Danny Douche, gets a lot of support on MSNBC. They may even have given him his own show, I heard, but I could be wrong about that. Shouldn't he be banned from the airwaves for all times? Shouldn't a sick demagogue who talks like this be banned from the airwaves? This is a news network, MSNBC. It's an appendage to NBC. Have they no more respect for themselves? Have they no shame for what they're doing? Bringing on a huckster like this? And this isn't the first time he's done this. This isn't the first time. He's a low IQ, uninformed, historical illiterate, who throws around the word Nazis and Hitler. So you have people here illegally... ICE finds them. ICE has the duty to remove them from the country. Not to torture them, not to kill them, not to put them in internment, to remove them from the country. And he says they're running just like the Jews run from the Nazis. What, are we the Nazis? Is America now the Nazis? I mean, look at the implication here. This is why none of us respect the news. Half of us do not trust news organizations. The vast majority of Republicans and conservatives do not trust news organizations. The vast majority of Democrats and liberals do. And there's a reason for this. Chuck Todd, Joe Scarborough, Donnie Douche, people like that. They're not circumspect. They're not thoughtful. They're not cautious about what they say. And yet they claim to be news people. Or they're brought in by news people to speak. And he's not alone. You've got Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo and Jake Tapper. You've got Wolf Blitzer. I could go on and on. Andrea Mitchell. You got no names on CNN and MSNBC who are dumber than doorknobs. But they're there. That's what they do. This is the sort of thing they say. And they sound like Democrats, don't they, ladies and gentlemen? They sound like Democrats. This is a news program on a news network. Chuck Todd, you heard what he said. He's not just the host of Meet the Press. And boy, do we miss Tim Russert. There's no question about that. A liberal, a Democrat, but boy, there was a real journalist. I'm serious about that. But Chuck Todd is the chief political correspondent for the entire NBC News Network. 
furious with the Democrats for not having a plan in place that they're instituting to try and remove the president of the United States. And he's not alone and they're not alone. The Washington Post. Our buddy Brent Bozell and our buddy Tim Graham have a piece. At Town Hall, the Washington Post wants Team Trump removed or jailed. When we return, I'll explain. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Excellent piece by Brent Bozell and Tim Graham. The Washington Post wants Team Trump removed or jailed. Now, remember, the Washington Post is supposed to be a news organization with an actual newsroom. But what is it, really? From Town Hall, the Washington Post is on a power trip again, high on the possibilities of ruining some more Republicans. Like Woodward and Bernstein hoping to repeal the Nixon landslide over McGovern in those golden days of Watergate. They're goading the Democrats from the hard left for contempt citations, impeachments, and even jail time. And you heard Chuck, Chuck Dodd. Washington Post opinion writer Greg Sargent wrote a piece with the headline, Democratic equivocation over impeachment is a moral and political disaster. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Representative Jerry Nadler are in danger of, quote, a dereliction of institutional duty, he says. And to show concern that the Republicans will not vote to convict the president and the Senate is fatally flawed. This isn't limited to President Trump. Post-columnist Jennifer Rubin, a woman liberal prankster still called a conservative, demanded Attorney General William Barr be impeached after three months in office because apparently all cabinet officers serve at the pleasure of the media elites. Quote, impeachment of a cabinet secretary, the first since Reconstruction, will be a fitting capstone to a career that will be defined by Barr's rabid partisanship and disdain for the Constitution, she wrote. Rabin and partisanship are two words that define the Washington Post. Even the reporters are pushing for punishment. At a Washington Post event, reporter Robert Costa asked Pelosi about the possibility of arresting the Treasury Secretary for not providing Trump's tax return, saying, Could you hold the Secretary of Treasury, Steve Mnuchin, in contempt? Some Democrats have even raised the prospect of arresting the Treasury Secretary if he does not comply with congressional demands. Now, you heard me play that audio here the other day. It was absolutely astounding. Secretary Mnuchin had consulted with the Department of Justice and said there's no legitimate legislative purpose in demanding the president's personal tax information. The aim is to embarrass the president and undermine his claim to business success and possibly find another route to impeachment since the Russian agent junk didn't work. Pelosi joked, well, let me just say... that we do have a little jail down in the basement of the Capitol, but if we were arresting all the people in the administration, we'd have an overcrowded jail situation, and I'm not for that. And the crowd howled in laughter. You know we played this as well. The Washington Compost later published a little online article noting Pelosi was wrong. There is no jail in the basement. That's called the cafeteria. Well, they didn't. I'm just kidding about that. No one in the press mocked her for ignorance or for exaggerating to amuse the post-organized crowd of laughing leftists. The Post fact-checker hasn't assigned any Pinocchios. The Post identifies 10,000 false or misleading claims by Trump and can't find anything wrong with Pelosi. Instead, post-columnist humorist Dana Milbank doubled down on the liberal fantasy of jailing the Treasury Secretary, saying, seize him on his next capital drop. Cuff him. 
put him in a chain link cage or what Trump officials who deal with child migrants call a detention space for safety and protection. Since there's no jail in the Capitol, Mnuchin's cage should go in Sanctuary Hall where tourists would snap photos, he writes. Representative Maxine Waters would serve as his warden. Boy, this guy, Dana Milbank, is one sick puppy. One sick puppy. I hope he stays off the computer and stays off those sites. And I wish he'd stop wearing raincoats on the corner. These same champions of impeaching and jailing Republicans out of so-called institutional duty will coo and wink over every Beto O'Rourke and Kamala Harris who runs against Trump. Back in 1972, Bob Dole had this newspaper, the Washington Compost, pegged when he said, without benefit of clergy, the Washington Post has set up housekeeping with the McGovern campaign. McGovern became the beneficiary of the most extensive journalistic rescue and salvage operation in American politics. Well, some things never change. Beautiful article by Bozell and Graham, and it's true. Some things never change, especially at the Washington Compost, where if you don't get it, you don't get it. And if you don't get it, it's like a disease, like a, uh, like a sexual disease. So don't get the Washington Post. So I hear. So this is the media, ladies and gentlemen, that we're dealing with here. And that's why I'm trying to pull all this together for you. And it takes a lot of time, doesn't it, Mr. Producer? We have Ilhan Omar on MSNBC yesterday. Ilhan Omar. Why would you bring such a bigot anti-Semite on MSNBC? Do they bring David Duke on MSNBC? No. Any Klansmen? No. Mark, what are you saying? I'm saying she's the lowest of the low. What comes out of her mouth is horrendous. But there she is, defending her sister, Rashida Talib. Twins in hate and anti-Semitism. So they get a spot on MSNBC. Cut 16, go. You know, I, I tell my sister, uh, Rashida Talib that... She's not your sister, by the way. This is America. She's not your sister. Go ahead. Her and I have um, the strength to endure any of the mischaracterization or efforts to distort um, and and vilify uh, and mischaracterize. Nobody's distorting, mischaracterizing, mis anything, your comments. We've seen the anti-Semites, the Jew haters for centuries, and you're one of them. And you're repetitive. You are what you are. You say what you say. Go ahead. Our, our message. Uh, and I think um, we are seeing what happens. Shut up, you idiot. The fact that you're on MSNBC in the United States Congress is an embarrassment to this country. Is an embarrassment to this country. You hate your country. You're a bigot. You're an anti-Semite. I don't care if you're a first this or a first that. Trust me, when it comes to hating Jews and hating your country, you're not a first. You're not a first. We know exactly who you are, you jerk. I'll be right back.
If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add, but this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve, and subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. If the word seems so confusing, Mark will be glad to clear that up for you. Call in now. At 877-381-3811. Now, you know what's annoying? I know, and you know in your heart and soul, that there are ways to protect your family and home that are actually affordable and immediate. Now, break-ins happen all the time. I'm sure they happen all the time, no matter how safe you think your community is. In fact, that's what these thugs look for. People who are overconfident about the safety in their neighborhoods. And what else do they look for? They try and determine which homes have alarm systems and security systems and which don't. And if you don't have one, you're more likely to get knocked off. And imagine if you or your family are in the house. Imagine if these people are armed with weapons of whatever kind, guns, knives, and so forth. Now, these burglaries happen over a million times a year, over one million times a year, according to the FBI statistics. So it's important to protect your family and your home. That's why I always recommend getting the best security system. My favorite is Simply Safe Home Security. It's fantastic protection for your home that keeps working if the power goes out, if the Wi-Fi goes down even if a burglar smashes your keypad. And they have some of the fastest response times in the industry, ready to help send 24-7, 24-7 a day, help send emergency support to you. So maybe it's no big surprise that Simply Safe is the top choice security system for CNET, for PC Mag, and more than 3 million of us. Are you one of them? Go to simplysafemark.com to learn more about Simply Safe. Order today and you'll get free shipping on your system. Free shipping as well as a 60-day money back guarantee, 2 full months. That's simplysafemark.com. simplysafemark.com. I could not more strongly suggest that you do exactly that. Jonathan Turley is a liberal. He's a professor of law. George Washington University. You've seen him on TV often. I believe he now works with ABC or CBS or one of them, having frequently appeared on Fox in the past. 
And he was giving testimony today at the House Judiciary Committee. Testimony about one of the subpoenas and testimony about the committee voting to hold the Attorney General in contempt. And of course, I'll get to this later, but the full House hasn't taken that up yet. I wonder why. And Jonathan Turley, we've talked about this here, but Jonathan Turley told this to the multiple faces on the House Judiciary Committee that the Attorney General of the United States can't give you what you're demanding. There's a federal law against it because a prior Congress passed this law and a prior president signed that law, and he's not free to give you grand jury secret information. Cut one, go. The issue of Rule 6E was addressed during the confirmation hearing when senators asked me, why won't he commit to releasing the full non-redacted report? And I said, because that would be a crime. You're asking him to commit to an act to secure confirmation that would violate the, the, the federal law. If he had said that, despite our friendship, I would have opposed his confirmation because that would be unethical. So there's no question that he cannot release that Rule 6E information. I was counsel in the Rocky Flats case. That's the largest Rule 6E case I know of. We spent years trying to get that special counsel report released. So I'm not a fan of Rule 6E, but we lost. And if you take a look at the McKeever case, which was just handed down by the D.C. Circuit, you are heading into a world of hurt if you go to the D.C. Circuit and argue that you could order Barr, or that Barr could unilaterally release Rule 6e information. They just adopted a narrow view of Rule 6e. And by the way, their view, and I agree with the dissent in that case, raises serious questions about how they're interpreting Haldeman versus Sirica. So you could open up that fight if you bring that case back to the D.C. Circuit, I'd encourage you not to, because I happen to like Halderman versus Sirica. But the, right now, the D.C. Circuit is not a hospitable place. They have adopted the narrower approach of a couple of circuits, like the Eighth Circuit, in interpreting those exceptions under uh, Rule 6E. Now, I'm not playing you that because I like to hear his voice. I'm playing you that because of this. This piece in the Washington Examiner by Susan Fariccio. Representative Stempy Hoyer said today the House won't take up a contempt measure against anyone in the Trump administration before the Memorial Day recess. Hoyer told reporters Democrats are waiting to take an inventory of more contempt charges against Trump administration officials related to the president's refusal to fully cooperate with sweeping House investigations by six different committees. The Judiciary Committee last week voted to cite Attorney General William Barr with contempt of Congress for refusing to provide Congress with the unredacted version of the special counsel Robert Mueller's report. Panel Chairman Gerald Nadler said he's rating a contempt charge for Don McCann. Trump's former White House counsel, McGahn, refuses to testify at a May 21 hearing. Now, here's one of the dirty little secrets. All throughout the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, we are loaded with district judges who were appointed by Obama. And so these members of Congress feel pretty confident that they're going to get pretty good, you know, results from these Obama judges, should the Obama judges hear their cases. But the problem for them is the D.C. Circuit, the court above those judges, and a bigger problem for them, hopefully, is the United States Supreme Court. Bill Barr can't give the committee the information they demand. I don't care who the hell they are. Don McGahn was formerly the president of the United States White House Counsel. 
even though the president said he cooperate, he could cooperate with the executive branch and a special counsel in a criminal investigation, the demands that they're making on McGahn raise issues of separation of powers. He was the White House's lawyer, the president's lawyer, and the documents he has also belongs to the White House. The Democrats know that, but they've been pushing this anyway. So I predict if they try and hold McGahn or somebody else in contempt for the failure of McGahn to testify or provide documents, they will lose that one too. If we have honest judges. The Ways and Means Committee has subpoenaed Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and IRS Commissioner Charles Reddick for Donald Trump's tax returns, which could lead to two more contempt votes. Well, they can lead to contempt votes, but I believe they'd lose this one too. They say the statute allows them to get a a citizen's tax returns. Let's say they're right, which they're not. But let's say they're right. This still raises separation of powers issues. The president's not just a citizen. He's the president. He's the executive branch, a unitary, a unitary executive. So if Congresses can harass presidents for their tax returns and their bank records and so forth and so on, then a president is going to be less likely, right? to challenge the House of Representatives when it comes to policy and issues because he might fear, well, they'll go after my taxes, they'll go after my personal finances, uh, and, uh, and I don't want all this information out, not because I'm a crook, but because it's my private information and I don't want to release it. So it's bad policy, among other things. But in the end, if we have an honest Supreme Court, I think the Democrats would lose that too. Stempy Hoyer says the president has made a blanket statement that he's not going to cooperate with any subpoenas. The president didn't say he would not cooperate with any subpoenas. The president is not going to cooperate with illegitimate subpoenas. And that is what these six committees at the direction of Nancy Stretch Pelosi are issuing. Illegitimate subpoenas. Demanding that members of the cabinet break the law. Demanding that members of the cabinet violate separation of powers. Hora called it a very serious matter and that House Democrats want to send a message to the public that Congress will not accept the lack of cooperation from the Trump administration. I told you these were manufactured crises. And now you're hearing everybody use that phrase, aren't you? Well, I think it's a manufactured constitutional crisis. Oh, so do I. A little slow, but okay. And Jerry Nadler's on CNN. CNN, which gives him a platform whenever he wants it. A constitutional illiterate who's spearheading these efforts to create a manufactured constitutional crisis in order to try and create the circumstances for impeachment of the president's defeat in 2020. Here he is. Cut three, go. This is the White House claiming that the king, that the president is a king. Now, if it's, the White House were claiming that the president is a king, then why did the president cooperate with the prosecutor? Now, what the White House is doing is defending the authority of the executive branch under separation of powers. It's Jerry Nadler who thinks he's a king. Are we allowed to say king? Maybe he thinks he's a queen. You know, this whole genitalia thing is quite confusing. And so really it is Nadler who thinks he's a king. The president is a victim. We've just been through two and a half years of crap collusion, then phony obstruction of justice, 
manufactured by the prosecutor's office in an outrageous violation of their ethical standards by putting it out in volume two of the report. Then we have all these these phony subpoenas being thrown at the White House and the executive branch. And then we have Congress saying, look at this, look at this, we have a king. Go ahead. I was saying that uh, uh, the Justice Department says they can't hold the president accountable because you can't indict a president. And now they're saying neither can Congress. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're talking too fast. Which is what liars do. The Justice Department didn't say you can't indict a sitting president. Prior Justice Department said it under Nixon and under Clinton. That's been the position of the Department of Justice for almost 50 years. So we should change it for Jerry because Jerry doesn't like it. So we should change that for Jerry. We should change the grand jury rules for Jerry. We should change separation of powers for Jerry. While he's waving around the Constitution, while he's talking about the rule of law, Jerry is burning down the castle. Go ahead. Totally unaccountable and above the law. No president. How is he totally unaccountable and above the law? There was just a special counsel investigation. The special counsel was unmolested. No privileges claimed. Complete access to personnel and documents. Does that sound like a king or somebody who says he's above the law? Does it? No. This is idiotic. Idiotic. That we got to listen to Jerry. Jerry Nadler. Can imagine when Jerry was growing up, they used to kick him around and push him around. But now Jerry's back, and Jerry's going to teach everybody a lesson. Yes, he is. Those days in third grade, when people pushed him around, those days are over. Now he's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and he's the bully. He, he's the bully. He's going to teach everybody. He's a jackass. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The tax deadline passed. The IRS didn't nail you for the money you owe, right? You're safe, you figure. No. Brace yourself. Now the IRS is focused on you. Now comes enforcement compliance season. When the IRS actively garnishes paychecks, seizes bank accounts, and put liens on home. This is when they get very, very excited. I'm going to give you my direct line to Optima Tax Relief. You need to call Optima now because it's critically important to solve your tax problems while you have options. Tomorrow you might not. Optima Tax Relief works to stop the demand letters, stop the aggressive collection actions, and stop the IRS from nailing you. Ask about the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. Now, if you qualify, you could save thousands, even tens of thousands, because Optima is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, And they've resolved over a billion dollars in tax debt for folks like you. You deserve a fresh start, and you deserve the best representation you can get, and that's Optima Tax Relief. Call for your free consultation. Yes, your free consultation. Here's the number. 800-499-6300. May I suggest you write it down? 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. Mr. Producer. Look at the call board. If we have an irregular American, I'd like to hear from that person. If we have a regular American, either way, let me know. What do we have there? On the Mark Levin app, Jeff 
from the great state of Ohio. Go right ahead. Yeah, Mark, what you were saying about refugees earlier, you know, it just amazes me. The fact that the refugees coming from Central America through Mexico are storming our borders, waving the flags of their countries that they're supposedly fleeing from, that makes no sense. That's an invader, not a refugee. Hmm. All right, my friend. Who else do we have there, Mr. Uh, Producer? Okay, KDWN, Chris in Nevada. Go. Hey, regular American here. Mark, thank, thank you for you, highlighting sir. Jerry Na- Yeah, thanks for highlighting, uh, you know, this low-grade buffoon, Jerry Nadler. My, you know, it, it shouldn't be Mark Levin having to defend the president. Where's the Republican leadership in the House? All right, listen, um, listen. You got to write them off. Yeah, I, I know, Mark. Forget about know. it. Forget about it. Where are, where are they? You know. Counterweight, right? We need, but thank you for being the counterweight because we need a voice in America to highlight this buffoon, uh, Jerry Nadler. Mark, thank you for writing the Liberty Amendments, by the way. Um, I'm no dummy. I had to, I, I love that book, but I had to get out a dictionary a few times. <laughs> and I'm saying that because, well, listen, listen, I thank you for. Hold on, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. When I write my books, I have a little bit of fun, too, you know. And I'll put words in there that you're not used to. That forces us all to look them up. To expand our vocabulary. That's why I put those words in there. Do you see what I mean? You, yeah, and you use, you know, words um, have meaning, as my law professor said. And you have to use words with precision. And it's important to be precise when we're discussing the things that are so most important um, about our country and what makes... Well, your lawyer said words have meaning? Your law school professor? My law school professor said wear a neck brace. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, you're right. Words have meaning. That's why I have a good time when I put words down on paper. Yeah, thank you for not dumbing down your books. Keep, you know, always raise us to the next level to increase our vocabulary. Have you ordered Unfreedom of the Press? I have not yet. Not no. to put you on the spot. I'm going to give you one, but there's a lot of people listening like you who, who I know are going to get it, I know are going to be interested in it, but haven't pulled the trigger. It's 40% off right now on Amazon. Now, they kind of screw around. They kick it up to 30% or whatever. So when it's 40% off, you got to act. But I know. don't hang up. We'll give you a copy, and I'm going to sign it... Uh, Next week, and we'll send those off to the uh, callers that I've been speaking to. And I want to thank you all. Now, you heard earlier, I think it was Donnie uh, Douche, wasn't it, Mr. Producer, who said that we all know that immigrants commit crimes at a lower level than, uh, you know, nasty American citizens. They're always putting down American citizens. Great piece at Conservative Review again. According to the U.S. Sentencing Commission, listen to this, not me, the U.S. Sentencing Commission, In its recently published 2018 report on federal sentencing statistics, this is federal level, 54.3% of the almost 70,000 federal offenders last year were Hispanic. Almost 43% of the offenders were non-citizens. The two biggest offense categories were immigration, 34.4%, and drugs, 28.1%. Got that? Go to Conservative Review and check it out. We are lied to constantly about this information. And I can assure you at the state level, it's, it's similar. 
I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. All right, I want to talk about the issue of abortion. Before we get to Alabama and so forth. You know, even when I was a young man, even as a teenager, there was something about abortion that struck me the wrong way. Struck me the wrong way. I mean, at, the, at a base level, we had dogs. Dogs, before that, were puppies. And, of course, a female dog would give birth to these puppies. It would never have occurred to me when I was 10 or 9 or 11 years old that that puppy that the dog gave birth to wasn't a puppy when the puppy was inside the female dog. And if somebody said that we can remove that puppy and that it's no longer a puppy because of the fact that we removed it, that would make no sense to me. Just at a base level, it didn't make any sense to me. I was also raised by my wonderful parents to understand that life is precious. Human life is precious. I was raised to believe that parents had a responsibility to protect their children and that they would even give up their lives to protect their children. They would do anything for the survivability, safety, and health of their children. This is called humanity. Humanity. Abortion. We look at what took place in Alabama. They passed what we're told by the news is the strictest anti-abortion or pro-life law 
in the country. No exceptions for rape or incest. Once there's a beating heart, that's it. There's a lot of debate about this. The media, mostly speaking one, one voice, is, is appalled by this. Now, as a legal matter, it wasn't the brightest move to make, because they'll go all the way to the Supreme Court, and now the focus will be on rape and incest rather than abortion generally. So I understand that. I understand that. If we're simply debating rape and incest at this point, and the rest of abortion should be illegal, do you think the same media would have a problem with that? Of course they would. If we were simply debating that some states would allow abortion and some states would not, however defined, do you think the media would have a problem with that? Of course they would. We have reached this point. We have reached this point, ladies and gentlemen, because of the Supreme Court, because of a illegitimate decision written by law clerks to Harry Blackman, which reads like an article in Psychology Today rather than a constitutional ruling. And you know why? Because the Constitution in every respect is absolutely silent about this issue. Or is it? Or is it? If anything, the Constitution does not support abortion. Because regardless of what Harry Blackman's law clerks had to say, regardless of what Linda Greenfeld had to say, writing at the New York Times, regardless of what the left had to say, whether they're judges or reporters or whatever they are, that is a life inside the woman. It's a life at different stages of life, but it's a life. It's not a thing. It's not mere tissue. And the better we get at science, the progressives always like to talk about, you know, we believe in science. You guys, you're throwbacks. You just believe in the Bible. The better we get at science, even the progressives have difficulty denying that a life is a life. And we're learning scientifically more and more what we knew morally and biblically. And look, I'm no preacher. I'm just telling you that it's a life. So the debate isn't or ought not be on whether it's a life or not. The debate ought to be, well, what are we going to do about this life? What are we going to do about this life? And that's what some of these states are now all about. They're saying, okay, it's a life. Roe v. Wade was decided a long time ago. Soon it'll be 50 years ago. Half a century ago. A lot has changed since then. Look at this. Look at all this science. Look at what we can see. And we can save these babies. They used to call them these preemies. 
at an earlier and earlier time. Now, if you want to debate rape and incest, or you want to debate some horrific physical or, 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 or neurological problems in the womb with the human baby, we can have that debate. But that's the debate we ought to have. Not that it's not a life, right? Not that it's not a life. It is a life. Well, a woman has a right to make a choice. Well, what does that have to do with a life? And what does that mean exactly? These are hard questions, and they're worthy of debate. And people don't always agree on them, which is why we have states, which is why we have different legislatures and governors, and why people move to one state or another. So why do we have one rule for everybody in every place? If these are hard questions about human life, that is, not that it is a life, but hard questions about that life, if that's the case, why does the Supreme Court get to decide? Why don't communities get to decide? Why don't states get to decide? And if, in fact, it is the Supreme Court's place to nationalize this issue, then why isn't it the Supreme Court's place, if you have a certain number of justices who say so, to outlaw it? I mean, I don't understand this. We talk about process, they say no. Forget about federalism, forget about individual states. We're going to have one rule. Okay, well, one rule. Well, what if it rules against you? Well, we're not going to have that rule. It's our rule or no rule. Is that how it works? The reason the decision written by Blackman is incoherent is because the court should never have decided this issue the way it did. Should have been much more circumspect, much more careful about it. That's why. The opinion is a joke. The outcome is a disaster. And yes, there's a slippery slope. And the Democrat Party is sliding all over the slippery slope. Now we're, we're hearing these people talk about infanticide. That a nine-month-old baby isn't a baby because it's still in the mother's womb. Is this nuts? Is this nuts? Is there an OBGYN, an objective, honest doctor who believes that for a minute? Is that why you tell mothers to eat properly, don't smoke, don't do drugs and everything? Because it's a thing and it's not a baby? Take care of your body while you're pregnant? Well, why? It's a thing. It's not a baby. How about people who feel you should be able to abort for any reason? Because it's just a choice for any reason whatsoever. Look, I'm a working person. I don't, I don't, any reason. What do you think of that? Now, I don't want to take a lot of calls on this. I'm just repudiating the reporting, which is always black and white. In the sense that, they, well, look at this outrage, these throwbacks in Alabama. Look what these throwbacks in Alabama are doing. They're resisting. You liberals, you know what that means. They're resisting. 
Roe versus Wade, which was an illegitimate decision. They're resisting infanticide. They're resisting abortion on demand. You or we may not like exactly how they wrote this bill, but that's what they're doing. They're saying we, as an advanced, civilized society, need to take another look at this. We need to take another look at this. And we want to force the issue. I want to tell you something that troubles me. Brett Kavanaugh troubles me. I told you when people were pushing for his nomination. I told you when they were pushing for the Kavanaugh nomination that he was no Scalia. I told you, just read his decision on the Obamacare decision. I told you then and I'm telling you now. That showed me an activist judge. And all his supporters, all his clerks, all the Bush officials, a few federal district judges, all leaning on me and anybody else who dared to open their mouth. You're attacking my friend Kavanaugh. I'm not attacking anybody. I just don't understand how you can say he's an originalist when he laid the foundation on the tax issue on Obamacare that John Roberts basically stole from him. Now, that's a big decision that involves a lot of constitutional issues, the Commerce Clause, the Tax Clause, separation of a lot of aspects of our Constitution. And Kavanaugh got it wrong. Well, Mark, he's an originalist, I know. And they couldn't point to all these great decisions. Most of the decisions over a 15-year period were not that consequential. But the one big one was, and he got it dead wrong. Then he comes under brutal attack by the Democrats. Why? Well, they bought the line that he was an originalist too, but they're just angry. They'll attack anybody. Anybody who's a Republican. In other words, anyone who's not one of them. That's why they attacked him. I don't think he'll be good on this issue. Just as he wasn't good on Obamacare. I don't think John Roberts will be good on this issue. I think we have three justices who actually follow the Constitution in a consistent way. They don't always agree with each other, but they follow the Constitution in a consistent way. And really... Since I was a young man, we always seem to have only two or three justices who do that. No matter how many Republican presidents we get, no matter how many appointments they make, Nixon, Reagan, the Bushes, we've had enough presidents to have a truly originalist Supreme Court. We've never had one in my lifetime. And whenever we get close, the media, you know the media, remember the Democratic Party media? They immediately pounce. Because they know these justices read newspapers and they listen to these phony legal analysts. And they don't want to go down in history as a, uh, you know, as a Neanderthal Neanderthal right-winger. And just like media phony reporters, they do not view their job as following the Constitution any more than these media folks believe in following the objective truth to give you news. They're activists. It's the same mentality, whether you're on the Supreme Court, whether you're in the media, or you're a tenured professor. You're an activist. You don't do your job. 
A reporter's job is to report news as objectively as possible. A justice's job is to comply and uphold the Constitution as best as possible. But too many of them don't. And I fear we're stuck with Roe v. Wade maybe right up to the end of this republic. Because there's not enough justices with not enough guts to say this case was wrongly decided, it's in the wrong courtroom, it doesn't belong here, and we're getting out of the abortion business. Just my two cents worth. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. When it comes to man-made climate change, the science is in. The science is in. It's a human being. They talk about man-made climate change. The science is not in. And they say, you know, science is in. What are you, a denier? Well, let me ask you, are you a human being denier? Are you a baby denier? It's a baby. It's a human being. Now that makes the debate much more complicated particularly for the left, doesn't it? Because once you acknowledge it's a human being or it's a life, then it gets a little more complicated. And it's not just a choice. It's a, then it gets tough, right? And that's what the science tells us. Are we supposed to follow the science? If we were to call these babies endangered species, You know, like insects. Look at that. It's an endangered species. We haven't seen a silver-bellied, green-crowned spider in a hundred years, I think. This might be the only nest. Well, we're going to shut down the river. We're going to shut down farming. We're going to have to reroute roads. We're going to have to do everything to save the silver-bellied, blue-headed spider. There is no such thing. I'm just making it up. But there are situations like this, right? Ask the people in the Central Valley in California about some silverfish or something. Well, we have to protect the species, so, yeah, we have to... Hey, that's a human being. No, no, it's a choice. That's a choice. When you follow the left, they're really anti-life. That's what they are. Centralized, government control, health care is dangerous to your well-being. Open borders, dangerous to your well-being. I don't care what they say. Trashing the cops, that's dangerous to your well-being to undermine the police. And we're going to talk about the National Peace Officers Day today and the memorial service today uh, in, uh, in the next segment. But you see, the way they change the nomenclature the way they adjust the science and so forth and so on. It's all result-oriented. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. 
You know, hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates, and that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and then invites them to apply to your job. And as applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes every one of them and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. They do all the work for you. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free, for free, at this exclusive web address. Ready? ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. All right. Okie dokie. Evelyn, Irvine, California, the great KRLA 870, The Answer. Go. Thank you for your program. I wanted to talk about the danger to our country, the menace, actually, of birthright citizenship. Uh, according to the 14th Amendment, U.S. citizenship was denied to the children of foreign diplomats, ambassadors, and aliens. The wording is right there. It was in 1866, and the 33rd Congress, it was to ensure citizenship for freed slaves and their progeny. And the, the citizenship language was written by Senator Jacob Howard, and illegal aliens are not allowed to give birth to U.S. citizens. All right, all right. We've talked about this many, many times, uh, and you're exactly right. And what happened, and nobody's exactly sure when it happened, but they think it was the Social Security Administration, honestly. The bureaucracy decided it was easier to process these people by giving them the, uh, by anointing them citizens. Congress never anointed them citizens. And you're right, the Constitution doesn't anoint them as citizens. And there's been so, the, so, so the bureaucracy anointed them as citizens. And now we have this birthright citizenship. Yes? Yes. Well, you're going to say something crucially important. Go ahead. There's been a bill in Congress since 1995 to stop that. Okay, ma'am, do you know who controls the House of Representatives? The Speaker. The Democrats. Mm -hmm. Do you know who controls the Republicans in the Senate? McConnell. Do you think any of them are going to bring this bill to a vote? Why not? Thank you for your call. Why not? What kind of a stupid question is that? Because they're not going to do it. Well, why don't they? Because I say they should. Am I missing something, Mr. Producer? Why not? Like you snap your fingers. Why not? But this administration has said and has challenged on the census form that they want to count citizens. Now, why do they want to count citizens? Well, take another look at the Constitution, because you're apportioning these districts for these members of the House of Representatives And they're counting people who are not citizens. And so California gets an extra push and these other states with very liberal uh, immigration standards that undermine the federal immigration standards. We call them sanctuary cities and so forth. They count these people who are here who are not citizens, including illegal aliens. 
for the purpose of assigning the number of congressional seats. So this administration wants to know how many citizens are here. Can we count citizens? And this is a big debate, apparently, for the census. It's going to go all the way and has gone all the way to the Supreme Court. But please don't call here. You give us a nice little history lesson, not new to my audience. And I tell you, with the Democrats controlling the House and the uh, French Republicans controlling the leadership of the Senate, the vote won't come up. Why not? Oh, I don't know. Judy, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. I was just going to say good morning, Mark. <laughs> Mark, I don't know Why? about you, but I don't know. I'm much a little tired. Mark, yes. I don't know about you, but Chuck Todd gets on my nerves. I, I can't even listen to him talk. I, I, I can't. You would mention First of Chuck all, Todd. he's got that five-year-old haircut. He's going guess- bald, so he, so he combs the hair down from the back, thinking people don't know that. Chuck, I'm a bald guy. My wife loves me. It's okay, Chuck. Let it go. Let it go. You look stupid combing your hair that way. And I say this as somebody who has no personal animus toward you whatsoever. You're on TV. Stop doing it. It looks ridiculous. We know what's going on. Go ahead. Thank when you. you. When you Mark, when you listen to talk, he's so smug with himself, and he's so idiotic, I can't even listen to him. Okay, I'm calling about something else. So this is what I'm calling about, okay? Once upon a time, all right, my husband used to be chief counsel to the IRS in New York. Okay, Mark? Wow. So, yeah. So I heard him the other day talking to his partner. He's not there now. He now has his own firm. So I was talking to, listening to, talk to his partner the other day, and I want to share something with you. And, and I was, I think I memorized this right, but he was Wait a saying, minute. You're listening in as he's talking to his partner? Yes, he was on the phone. Why don't, why don't you just ask him? But anyway, go ahead. Okay, but okay. So no, because I, I didn't expect to even make this phone call, but I was listening to you earlier about these IRS taxes that they want, you know, Donald Trump release, Nagler and all that. I just want to share with you, it's illegal for the IRS. And there's a code, I think it's 6103, where it's illegal. <laughs> it is 6103. Excuse me? It is 6103, 6103. See, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. No, but I know we used to litigate this. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. They are not allowed to release Donald Trump's tax returns or anybody else's. They're not allowed to. It's illegal. Do you know under that section of the code, they're not even allowed to tell the public or members of Congress if somebody's being audited? Yeah, I imagine. But they go back to 1920. Hey, we got this 1924 statute that says Congress has a right to have access to these tax returns. Well, we'll see. Let's go ahead and litigate it. But the fact that the president challenges this, they say, well, see, that's obstruction. He thinks he's a king. These slime balls are now accusing the president of what they're doing. Mark, can I just say one more thing? Yes, Judy. I... I <laughs> I, I feel like I've known you for at least two minutes. Okay. No, I know you longer. Believe me. Um, what's it called? I listen to all these IRS releases that they have for Bernie Sanders and Biden and Beta, whatever. Did you, what I care about is their charitable contributions. They basically give $1,000, which compared They gave to essentially Donald- nothing. Right. Which compared to Donald Trump, the ratio is one penny. To the millions that he gives in in in, in, mm-hmm. in, in chatter. To me, it's more important to see how generous you are. They are such a bunch of misers, but they're very easy spending our money. Tell me know? how many tell me how many jobs has Bernie Sanders created for African Americans, Latinos, Asians, 
lesbians, whatever, where are we? LGBTQ, uh, whatever. How many jobs has he created for that group of people? None. And yet Donald Trump has created God knows how many jobs for everybody. All right, Judy, thank you for your call. Excellent call, I may say. So I just did. Diane, Sacramento, California, how are you? I, mm, I, yellow, yellow, yellow. Hello? Yes. Oh, I have a question. Look, when Nadler and Congress um, <clears throat> say to Mr. Barr or to President Trump, you know, you, you have to turn over all, all protected, even the redacted information for us, right? And uh, they say, no, we can't, we can't unredact the things because it's illegal. Isn't, and they say, oh, okay, well, if you don't, then we're going to hold you in contempt. That's like entrapment. And it goes beyond politics and the media and, you know, laying blame. It's like setting up someone to break the law or else they're going to get punished. That goes beyond politics. So tell me this. How many so-called journalists on CNN and MSNBC have, in plain English, coherently explained to their audiences exactly what you just said? Well, none. None. But that's not the point. It's the law has to step in. Well, we know that, and the law will step in. It's going to go to court. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. It's going to go to court. As long as we don't get an Obama judge, because, you know, they use all kinds of laws that haven't actually been written. Right. But this is... They break Nad- open a fortune cookie, and uh, that's where they get their advice from. Go ahead. But this is Natalie. This is entrapment, okay? They well, it's are not le- technically entrapment, because he's not going to do it. What it is is a violation of, uh, of a federal statute. That's what they're insisting that he do. He's a smart man. He's not going to do it, and they're going to go to court to protect themselves. And if I, I, they want him to violate it, so then they could really... They really go don't want him to violate it. They're trying to create an impression among their constituency, which actually is pretty stupid, apparently, that this administration is obstructing their magnificent subpoenas. Now, let me just tell the American people, just because Congress issues a subpoena, so what? Depends what it says. Thank you for your call. I am only saying that because I know you're going to repeat yourself. We got it. We're set. K-Dawn, K-D-W-N, Las Vegas, Nevada. Go. Hey, uh, Mark, long-time listener, first-time caller. You got it. Uh, just, I'm curious about this whole uh, sanctuary city thing because I've always thought that, you know, the rule was if, you know, the laws that the federal government doesn't do are left to the state, but the federal government does have the immigration laws, so how can these states just go out and say, okay, well... Well, you, you, know, you make an excellent point. It's called plenary power. The federal government takes up all the space. When Arizona was sued by the Obama administration and said, hey, look, we're not doing anything differently. All we're doing is passing state laws that complement federal law to enforce federal law because the president won't enforce existing federal statutes. And the Supreme Court ruled five to four against Arizona and said, hey, look, The president of the United States is in charge of immigration. If he chooses not to bring these cases or not to enforce X, Y, Z, that's up to him. Technically, the Supreme Court, of course, is wrong. Why? Because you read that provision of the Constitution, and it doesn't say the president. It says Congress sets the laws. 
Congress sets the immigration laws, not the president of the United States. But in any event, your point is well taken, because interestingly now, we how is it possible to have sanctuary cities and sanctuary states when the court has ruled and the Constitution effectively says this is a federal area? Right. While what you have here are leftists who are taking up the cause in their own uh, way, legally, of the Confederacy. Not as applies to slaves, of course, but as applies uh, to the nullification of legitimate federal law. They're nullifying federal law. It's called nullification. And, this, and the separatists, uh, that is the, uh, uh, the southern states that began breaking off, said they have the right. Their state legislatures have the right to nullify federal law if it violates or conflicts with state law. And now you have that going on in San Francisco and four and five hundred of the most left-wing blue areas of the country. They are mimicking the Confederacy. Well, it just, it really irks me, you know, because as a veteran, you know, I serve, you know, and then I come back and I see the people I'm here, you know, I was out serving to protect their freedoms, destroying our country, you know. Well, you're right. The law, and it just really, it makes me wonder sometimes, you know, maybe I shouldn't have served. You know, what good was that? Well, I'll you know, tell what, you what. But you served the good people of the country, but my dad used to get furious about this, too. He used to say, what the hell are they doing to my country? And, of course, yeah. he's right. All right. Thank you for your call, Brett. Much appreciated. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, I'm not coming out. I am who I am. Now, right now, there are over 4,000 drugs being developed in the United States because our free market system encourages innovation. That's great news for the 60% of Americans now living and suffering with a chronic condition. So why have Republican Senators Rick Scott and Josh Hawley joined self-avowed socialist Bernie Sanders and Democrat Ro Khanna in introducing legislation that would end U.S. leadership in drug treatments and new breakthroughs. They say price controls are the answers. I say those are deadly, and I'm serious. Price controls would end hope for people in need of a new life-saving and life-changing drug treatments because it would dry up the investments necessary to develop them. Their so-called price controls plan is in reality access controls. Like European socialized medicine, in order to save money, They'll simply deny access to the latest and best drug treatments to Medicare patients. A study by the Galen Institute showed that of 290 new medicines launched worldwide between 2011 and 2018, Americans had access to 90% of them. Compare that to 60% for the British, 50% for the Japanese, 44% for Canadians. That's wrong, dead wrong. Get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com, truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. Well, I wanted to save this for the end, the remaining minutes we have. The annual National Peace Officers Memorial Service was today, and the president attended. And as longtime listeners know, we are big-time supporters of law enforcement on this program. Um, And there are cycles we go through in this country 
where law enforcement is under attack. Again, exploited by the media. One event here, one event there. We're in a fairly calm period right now, but it'll happen again. It'll happen again. And I just want the men and women who are in law enforcement to know that the overwhelming majority of Americans appreciate you very, very deeply. You don't know if you're going to get home or not. And I often think about this. When you stop a car, particularly at night and it's dark and you're on a side road or even the highway, you have no idea who's sitting in that car. You have no idea, excuse me, no idea what they're capable of. And you don't know that this is going to be your last time or not, and yet you still go up to that car. The vast majority of us would never trade places with you. Same with our military. The vast majority of us would never trade places with you either. Because you don't have just a job, you know, where you go to a desk or you're working on uh, somebody's house. or something. And that's important work. But your job is to be in the middle of protecting us from criminals. Ultimately, that's what it is. You do other things too, but ultimately, that's what it is. And you know that the liberals are looking over your shoulders. You know that the media is going to second guess you. You know all these things are going to go on, and yet you still sign up to be in law enforcement and try to do the right thing and try to do the best you can. So I want to thank you. And those dear, brave men and women who've given their lives to protect us from predators. And you read these stories now and then, and they stick in your mind about how these police officers, many of them, are executed, really. And the problem is, just like with the military, but particularly with law enforcement, you're in mostly a reactive position. You try to get in front of a situation, but in the end, you're often in a reactive position. So you're already on defense. I just want you to know when you're walking your beat or when you're in your cruiser or wherever you are tonight, tomorrow, the next day, we salute you and we thank you. And we honor those who've passed in the line of duty. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, law enforcement up and down the chain. Thank you very, very much. Please go to Amazon right now and order your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. See you tomorrow.